ask you to keep. Is this on? Okay. To keep your, the uh, scriptures open so that you can check what I say. Um, actually, this morning my Old Testament reading was from Nehemiah, and the children of Israel had gathered together at Jerusalem to celebrate one of the feasts, and it says they stood for a quarter of the day to hear the scriptures, a quarter of the day to uh, confess their sins and worship God. Six hours. I don't think I'll be quite that long. (laughs) Okay, let's just have a quick prayer. Father God, I just want to commit this time to you and ask that you will speak to our hearts in the way that we need to be spoken to, that you will be honoured and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in recent weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of church life. And today, we will actually be looking at the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 under the heading of working together. And so we want to see what we can learn from that passage. To put it into context, to put this chapter into context, that's too loud, Um, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth to deal with some situations that he had heard had arisen in the church and also to answer some specific questions that he'd been asked. And so in chapter 7, verse 1, we read the words, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. Questions about marriage. In chapter 8, verse 1, he said, Now about food sacrificed to idols. And now when we get to chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. So when Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, we need to understand that there are some things about spiritual gifts which we need to know. Especially as a church, we need to know them. So first of all, what is meant by spiritual gifts? Now we notice that the word is gifts. It is something which is given to us. We cannot buy a spiritual gift. We cannot earn a spiritual gift. It is something which is just given to us. And secondly, we notice that they are spiritual gifts. They are not natural talents or abilities. These are um, workings in the spiritual realm. We can ask the question, who has these gifts? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 12 verse 7, we see, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. If we look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received. Ephesians 4 7 says, But to each one of us grace has been given. So we notice that in those three passages, the phrase each one has been repeated. So I believe that that means that every genuine Christian has a spiritual gift. Why are we given these gifts? Well, in 1 Corinthians it says, 
for the common good. Peter says to serve others. Ephesians says to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So these verses make it very clear that these spiritual gifts are given to us not for our own glory, but for the benefit of the whole body of Christ. How do we receive these spiritual gifts? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 12 verse 8 says, I'm sorry I'm a bit dyslexic as far as numbers are concerned, but it's 1 Corinthians 12 8 says, through the Spirit. And we can ask the question, when are we given these gifts? Because it is given through the Spirit, and we all have a gift, I believe that we have are given that gift at the point of spiritual birth. That gift may not necessarily be obvious at that point of time, but as we grow and as we mature, it should become clearer. And I think I can illustrate this in the natural realm. I have two sons. When they were younger and they were living with us in Hong Kong, they both played squash. Craig, who was the older, could give 110% effort, but he still was not as good as the younger one, Derek. Because Derek has had and has a natural balance, a natural coordination, um, which Craig does not have. But it didn't become obvious until they were a little bit older. And maybe if you have a sibling, you have recognised the same sort of thing. In your brothers or your sisters, they uh, are different to you. They have a different capability, a different talent in the natural realm, which only became obvious as they grew and as you grew. And I think this is probably the same as in the spiritual body. But we need to remember that these gifts have been given for the benefit of the whole body. That is something that is very important for us to remember. So let's have a look now at verses 4 to 6, the ones which were read for us. First of all, in verse 4, we were told that there are different kinds of gifts. Some of the versions have the words varieties and diversities, but it means the same thing. They are different. Peter basically just classifies these as speaking gifts and serving gifts. And if we look at the passage in Corinthians, we find that we have wisdom, knowledge, faith, Gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation. And then further down in the same passage it says, apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of healings, help, administration, tongues. So there's quite a list just there. But then when we look at the Ephesians, we have apostles, prophets, evangelism, pastors and teachers. And Romans lists prophecy, faith, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. So we can see that there is quite a variety. 
But again, we note that it is the same Spirit which gives these gifts. There is only one Holy Spirit, and it's He who determines which gift we have, not we ourselves. This thought is repeated if you're looking at the text in verse 11. It says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. And when you count down through this particular passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we find that there are seven times that we're told it's the same Spirit, it is the one Spirit who gives the gift. Just as a side comment, and as no extra cost to the management, you may have seen that there was the word faith, or faith was mentioned as a spiritual gift. And you might say, but we all have to have faith. That's true, because it's by grace through faith that we are saved. But some people have faith as a spiritual gift in that they are able to believe God or they believe God for uh, bigger things, things that we generally would say, oh, that's, that's impossible. But there are people who have this gift of faith and they can encourage us to think big, to step out of our uh, comfort zone, perhaps. Evangelism was mentioned. And we're all called to, men, uh, to share the gospel. That is true. But some people have the gift of evangelism and they are uh, more easily able or more quickly can uh, recognise an opportunity to say something or lead the conversation towards spiritual things. And so they are gifted in this area of evangelism. Okay, verse 5. In verse 5, we are told that there are different kinds of service. And this means that the same gift can be exercised in different areas. I believe that Wayne had the gift of teaching. He was most comfortable, shall we say, with adults and teenagers. But if he had been asked to teach a group of children, particularly little children, I'm afraid my mind doesn't quite compute what could have happened because that was definitely not his area. But we have within the church people who are very good and love working with children. But probably, on the other hand, if you ask them to work with adults, they say, oh, no way, thank you very much. I'm comfortable with children. It's the same gift, the same basic gift, but it's being exercised in a different area. If we think of the gift of mercy, which was mentioned in one of the passages, quite often people who have the gift of mercy find themselves working in the healthcare centre. Some of them would prefer to work with children. Some of them would prefer to work with old people. Some would prefer to work with people who are in need of palliative care. Same basic gift, but a different area in which it is being exercised. And it's the same within the church. We can have the same gift, but there will be different areas in which it will be worked out. And again, we notice it's the same Lord who is being served. Thirdly, verse 6 tells us that there are different kinds of working. 
The New American says there are varieties of effects, which means that the results of the exercising of our gifts can be different. Some people will seem to have a great success as they exercise their gift. Others will seem to see very little result from their work. But we need to note that it's the same God who works all of them in all men. In other words, it is God who determines the uh, effectiveness of our exercising the gift. And if we can understand that, it can be very, very helpful, very freeing for us to use the gift. It's not our, our responsibility to make things happen. It's exercise the gift and let God determine what the effect of it is. Now, in verses 12 through to 27, Paul uses the picture of the human body to illustrate some very important truths. And he uses the same picture in Ephesians and in Romans. And just as a matter of interest, if any of you are taking notes and you do want to study spiritual gifts in more detail, the four passages that you could look up are 1 Peter chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They are the four main passages in the New Testament that deal with spiritual gifts. But it, Paul here uses this picture, and he asks questions like, is the whole body a hand? Is it an eye? Is it an ear? And obviously the answer is no. The human body consists of many parts put together just as God has determined. And no part can say, I'm more important than you. And verse 21 actually says, no one part of the body can say to another part of the body that they're not needed. And I think we can also, I can also illustrate this with my sons. It's probably a good thing that they're not here today. <laughs> but anyway, when we used to come back to Australia for the kids' long summer holidays, we would go fishing over on the West Coast. And Craig would take great time and patience in making up the bottoms for his line. And I don't know how many times he would get it and then he'd go, <laughs> and the sinker would go way off into the distance because he'd put so much effort into it that he'd broken the line. And then Derek would stand next to him and say, hey, Craig, this is how you do it. And he would go on fishing while Craig made another bottom. Same thing happened. It, we, we, I must admit, there were times when we really did laugh at him. But anyway, in a church family, if this frustration is allowed to develop, it can become envy and jealousy. And they are attitudes of heart which are worked out in actions which can be very, very destructive and need to be dealt with. Because we need to remember that we are all different, but we are, and we have been given different gods, but it's the same Lord that we're, different gifts, but we're, we're serving the same God. And if the mild ribbing that came from the other brother was allowed to develop, it could become pride 
or arrogance or conceit or boastfulness. I'm so much better than everybody else. And that too can be very, very destructive. In fact, when we read the earlier chapters of Corinthians, it looks like pride had been one of the problems that Paul was dealing with. And he was trying to get the people to realise one spirit giving you different gifts, one Lord who is to be served, and they come from one God. We can't look at someone else and say, I'm better than you. My gift's better than your gift. Remember, pride goes before destruction. And God says, or in Peter it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In Judges, chapter 1, verse 6, I think that's the correct reference, the Israelites caught a Canaanite king. And when they did, they cut off his big toes and his thumbs. And his comment was, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off have picked up scraps under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. But we say, well, why was this done? Well, think about back in those days, war was hand-to-hand -hand combat. If you have your big toes cut off, it affects your balance. I understand from a physiotherapist, yes. So if you're a soldier and you can't balance very well, you can't fight very well. If you have no, don't have your big toes, you can't run very well. So you cannot chase a fleeing soldier or you cannot run from someone who is stronger than you. So even though it's only, a bit, only big toes, it really has an effect on the body. What about the thumbs? I want you actually to try something. Now I see who's listening. Put your left hand out and imagine that you have a $2 coin on your hand. Now put this thumb and try and pick up. Is it easy to pick up the $2 coin in the left hand? Would it be easy? No. Now if you were a soldier and you were supposed to hold a sword, how do you hold a sword in your right hand, say you're right-handed, to fight when you haven't got a thumb. See? It's only a, you, we don't think much about our big toes and our thumbs, but they are essential. What about eyelashes? What about nasal hair? They are part of God's defense system for the body. You see, God's made the physical body with everything working together for a certain reason. And it's the same in the, the church. He's given people different gifts to be used in different ways, but all for the benefit and building up of the body of Christ. Have you heard of a man called Dylan Alcott? Someone has. Good. He is retired now, but he was a champion wheelchair tennis player. 
and he won some gold medals at the Paralympics. He won some Grand Slam uh, wheelchair tennis competitions. Apparently, he became paraplegic because when he was only about three weeks old, he had to have an operation to remove a tumour off his spine. But anyway, as we look at him and we see what he has done, we can see that the physical body can function to a certain extent when some parts of the body are not working properly. And I must admit, the older you get, the more you realise that, because your eyes don't work the same, your hearing doesn't work the same, and the memory doesn't work quite the same. We deteriorate. We don't work as well as we could if everything was working as well as it should be. And it's the same in the church. We can function to a certain extent if people are not exercising their gifts, but... If Dylan Alcott had to play, say, Raphael Nadal or, say, what's his name, Roger Federer, he would have been totally lost. If we really function as we should be functioning, the church would be really blessed. Recently, we've been looking at the book of Acts. And in that book, we can see some examples of different gifts being used for the glory of God, and the consequences are still here today. For example, in Acts chapter 8, there's a record of a man called, a disciple called Philip, and he was told to go down to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And as he went down to the road, he saw a man riding on a chariot, and he was reading a book. So when he got up to the book, he said, what are you reading? And the man said, well, I'm reading this. And it was actually from the, uh, Isaiah. So this man, Philip, who's actually called the evangelist, got up alongside him and opened up the scriptures to him and led the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. Apparently, Ethiopia is today still classified as a Christian country. And many people take it back to that meeting between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. We uh, met Barnabas, who accompanied Paul on the first missionary journey. And you might remember they took a young man called John Mark with them. And John Mark left partway through the, the journey. So when Paul wanted to go on the second missionary journey... Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. And Paul said, no, 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 I'm not taking it. And I think the scriptures say there was such a sharp division between them that um, Paul took Silas and went off on the second missionary journey and Barnabas took Mark and went off to Cyprus. When we read the scriptures, we find that later on, Mark actually came back to serve with Paul. And Mark is the writer of the Gospel Mark. And Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. So Barnabas exercised his gift of encouragement with Mark, a young man who blossomed to grow and become very, very uh, effective in the ministry. So we don't know what God can do with us when we are faithful to him and allow him to use us. 
It's probably a good thing that we don't know because unfortunately we have a habit or a tendency to let pride come into the picture. But God just wants us to be faithful to him, use the gift that he's given to us for his honour and for his glory. So what have we seen so far? The Holy Spirit has given us a gift. If we are a genuine Christian, we have a spiritual gift. The gifts are different, but we are to use the gift for the building up the body of Christ. No one should think that they're more important than anybody else, and no one should think that they have nothing to offer. The important thing is that we work together for the glory of God. Now, this year, our mission statement has been faithfully walking with Jesus to reach the wider community. So how does that affect us? How does it affect us? Well, do you know what your spiritual gift is? If you don't, and you are a genuine Christian, try and find out what it is. You know, sometimes people around about us will recognise a gifting in us before we actually recognise it ourselves. But take steps to find out what your gift is. And the second step is, or the second question is, are you exercising your gift? Are you involved in some way in working in the church? Are you exercising your gift in your daily life? Because it's not just for in this building. You know, our, our gifting has been given so that we can use it for God's glory, and that means reaching out to people around about us. If you have the gift of encouragement, you may be quicker to recognise someone in, the, say, the work environment or school a colleague or a university uh, classmate who seems to need a little bit of care or attention. And if you spend time with that person, it could lead to the opportunity of much deeper sharing. Do you have the gift of administration? How do you exercise your gift in the workforce? Are you aware that people are people and not robots and things like that? So how do you exercise your gift? In the church, we're all comfortably seated on, on chairs. The chairs don't magically arrange themselves. Someone has to come and put them there. We have a coffee ministry that will only be effective if during the week someone makes sure that there's enough coffee, there's sugar, there's milk, there's cups, whatever. We have children being taught. You may be uh, thinking, I would like to work with children, but I don't think I can actually teach. But they may like to have an extra hand in the classroom. We apparently are going to have a food fair later on in the year. That will need someone who has administration, has the ability, the gifting to see the big picture 
and say beforehand, we will need to do this, 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 and this, and then get other people to do, someone to do this, someone to do that, someone to do that, and then on the day, someone will have to help beforehand, and then afterwards there will be need, need to be things that are being done. But we all have something that we can contribute to the working of the church. But whatever our gift is, each one of us needs to remember that it's given to us by the Holy Spirit under the authority of God the Father so that the church or so that the body of Christ can be glorified. It's not for our own honour, our own benefit. It's for him. There's an advert on the television which says, we're all in this together. I think it's talking about a superannuation fund or something like that. But it does apply here. We are all in this together. Are we working together? Do we have a focus of serving the Lord? Okay, thank you.